0: The Nonprofit Hour, a weekly look at Portland's nonprofits and do gooders, with interviews, profiles, and documentaries. This is the Nonprofit Hour program here on X Ray FM. The show is brought to us by the Media Institute for Social Change, a public interest media lab that works to inspire, empower, and engage emerging media producers. I'm Jason Dennington. Building on the success of our debut live show taping at Mississippi Pizza back in October, the Nonprofit Hour has now launched a regular event that we are holding at the Way Post at 3120 North Williams at 5 p.m. the last Sunday of every month. We just started our first of these a week ago on January 31st, and it was great fun for everyone involved and in attendance. On today's show, we're going to be listening to a recording of that event in which we spoke to two organizations. The first was New Avenues for Youth, which was followed by the Intergenerational Outreach Choir, who also performed live a number of songs for us at The Waypost. We're looking forward to these regular live show tapings, and would like to see you all come down and join us at the next event on Sunday, February 28th. Before we get to that, though, we're going to check in with some news for this week about an upcoming benefit concert at the Alberta Rose Theater. The event features Joshua Davis and his stellar backing band in a benefit concert for children's music education, which will be at 8 p.m. on Thursday the 11th. We're very pleased to have joining us on the phone a man who is a musician, songwriter, 2015 finalist in NBC's The Voice show, and a cultural ambassador for the state of Michigan, Joshua Davis. Joshua, welcome to the Nonprofit Hour. Thanks, Jason. We're talking by phone in advance of your arrival here in Portland, but you will be performing a show at the Alberta Rose Theater as well as a number of other events around town this week in support of kids' music education. Can you tell us a little bit about the upcoming concert?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, it's been a long time since I've been uh, touring the West Coast, and this is the first stop on... uh, I think a you know a little under two week tour. Um, we're really excited about it. It's going to be a it's a quartet. Um, guys that I've been playing with for a very long time. Incredible musicians. Um, you know I've got a lot of friends in Portland that I haven't seen in a long time. Uh, from what I understand, the the Alberta Rose is is a, is a lovely spot. Um, and you know we'll play a lot of my tunes. We're going to debut some new stuff. Um, putting out a a seven inch next month. Um, so some new new tunes. Working on a new full length and. We'll play, um, you know, play songs from my catalog. Probably play a couple songs from from The Voice. Um, uh, but you know, it's it's a really good time. It's a sweet band. It's very intimate, but it's it's also got a lot of energy to it. And uh, yeah, excited to excited to get to Portland.
0: It sounds like you have a really fantastic band backing you up as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, I do. And you know, I I feel like that's one of Maybe the thing that I do best is surround myself with with, with great people, and uh, and I've done that in in a lot of different ways, and it's it's um, helped me uh, <laughs> throughout my life. And these guys are are amazing musicians, but uh, even more so, they're they're wonderful people.
0: The show you'll be playing at the Alberta Rose Theater is in support of a non nonprofit organization back in Michigan called On Stage for Kids, as well as one locally called Ethos. Can you tell us about On Stage for Kids?
1: Yep. Yeah, this is a, an organization that I co-founded um with uh with a wonderful uh couple of people the the Sunbergs um and uh you know one of the things that that um we've noticed is that there's of course um you know, it seems to be less and less funding for the arts, especially here in Michigan, uh, and especially in in, in low-income uh, communities. And it's um, it's a really hard thing to see. There's a lot of art programs and music programs that have been shrinking, and some have, that have been um, dismantled. And uh, it just kills me because um, you know, arts education is so important for kids, whether or not they're going to be professional artists in the future. Um, it's important for brain development. It's important for so many reasons. And so we founded this organization to bring career musicians um, into schools to uh, partner with uh, existing music programs or try to bolster music programs. And if there's not a music program, then, then uh, try to, you know, give these kids uh, access to live music. A lot of these kids haven't ever even seen anybody play right in front of them. Um, and so we'll talk about our careers as creatives. We'll talk about um, what it is to uh to to play music for a living um, how how is involved how communication is in, is a plays a big part in it um and uh, it's really you know it's refreshing for the musicians as well because we spend a lot of time playing shows um you know whether it's theaters or clubs or you know festivals or whatever this is a totally different experience to to be with the kids it's very interactive and uh you know um i grew up uh, in the folk realm, where passing the torch to the next generation, making sure that this music does not die, is is of like this one of the you know, tenants of of that scene. And so, um, to be involved in that is is really rewarding for me.
0: In addition to the Alberta Rose concert, you're going to be working with kids at various schools in the area.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we'll do uh, Tuesday through Thursday. Um, in schools and we 're doing uh, uh, multiple schools a day or multiple maybe grade levels a day i 'm um, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what the schedule is just yet, but uh, <clears throat> but um, yeah, so we will uh, we'll be we 're partnering with an organization called ethos, uh, which is a portland uh, based uh, music education um, organization and uh, we 're really excited for that um, and uh, so that partnership is bringing us to to quite a few different schools um, in those three days. And uh, it's always a blast, but it's, it's going to be really fun to, to uh, take, this, take this program outside of Michigan.
0: And Thursday's concert is going to raise funds to benefit the nonprofit organizations seeking to promote music education for children.
1: Yes. Yep, and that's, that's something that that's, um, is a big part of what I do as well. Um, you know, I, I, I like to find organizations that, um, you know, that feel good to me, you know, that, that kind of coincides with my values and, and, you know, uh, use what I do to support, to support them. And so, um, you know, so, so yeah, the, the show is a benefit for, for these, these two, uh music education organizations and, uh, and, um, it's, that's always a nice thing because, um, you know, you can feel good about coming to a show like this. It's not, you know, it's it's going to be entertainment. It's going to be really fun. It's going to be um, thought provoking. But it's also, uh, you know, uh, for for these organizations, it's not uh, it's not just for me or for you. It's for it's for uh, for a lot of people, a lot of kids. So, looking forward to it.
0: From what I know about you in your past career, music for you has been about entertainment, but it's also about finding a vehicle to promote positive social change. Is that correct
1: oh yeah absolutely um one hundred percent you know i i I think that um it's not you know i i don't feel think you know artists should feel obligated but but I think um you know if if I have access to to being up in front of a lot of people then um you know, there's, I guess, let me take it this way, for, you know, I grew up going to folk festivals, going to music festivals when I was a kid, seeing people like Pete Seeger, seeing people like, um, uh, Greg Brown and, and Arlo Guthrie and, um, and, uh, Dave Van Rock, people, um, people who, uh, you know, these kind of, uh, Old school folk entities that these these you know that, that have this legacy of 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 music and community and music and social change going hand in hand and um, you know whether it's the civil rights movement or whether it's it's you know whatever whatever movement it is there's there's going to be a beat that people are marching to and um, and it's much more exciting for me to be able to. Uh, give my talents in any way I can to those organizations and those movements that support my values, that go along with my values, than, than just playing shows. Um, so it's just always been something that I, I do, and it's something that comes very naturally to me, and it's something that feels right. Um, and, uh, and I'm excited to, uh, yeah, to keep that going.
0: Joshua, can you tell us for our listeners who want to find out more about the concert and the organizations, where they can go to learn more?
1: Yeah, um, well, Onstage for Kids is, is onstage, the number four, kids.org. Um, ethos is a lot simpler. It's just ethos.org. And uh, there's a lot of information as well on my website, joshuadavismusic.com, or I'm sure you can look us all up on the interwebs uh, via uh, Facebook and Twitter and, and Instagram and all those lovely things that take a lot of our time.
0: We're really looking forward to the upcoming concert, and thanks for coming on the show today.
1: Yeah, thanks, Jason. Can't wait.
0: Joshua, heading out, can you suggest one of your songs for us to listen to that might be coming in the show this week?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, We're going to listen to a song called The Working Man's Hymn. This is a a tune that uh, I grew up in Detroit, um, Michigan, and... uh, um, you know, there's a, a lot of struggles that that town has been going through in a lot of towns, like like Flint, for instance, it's been in the news a lot lately. Um, but even though these towns are struggling, um, there's this undercurrent of, of hope, there's this undercurrent of faith and hard work that's incredibly inspiring. And so I wrote this, uh, this tune for, for those folks that are, that are pushing through and, and keep it on. Keeping on.
2: The greenback bill. Some folks hunger for the top of the hill. Some people just trying to get a decent meal. Well, I know that we can turn it around. Some people sleeping in the fire for the bed. Some folks are dreaming of the woman homestead. Some just need a place to lay their head. Well, I You're home on high and the light in the sky With Jet set we're just getting by I know that we can turn it around. It's a pedicola lane. One man's joy has been another man's pain. But the sun keeps a shining through the driving rain. And I know that we can turn it.
0: just listening to Working Man's Hymn by Joshua Davis. And once again, you can see him perform with his band at the Alberta Rose Theater at 8 p.m. on Thursday at a benefit for children's music education nonprofits, On Stage for Kids, and Ethos. Later today, as a matter of fact, Joshua and his band will be in our studio for an interview and to play some songs for us, and that will be featured in our next episode of the show. So make sure to tune back in for that as well. Now we turn to the recording of our nonprofit live show at the Waypost on North Williams, last Sunday, January 31st. Here's our host, Phil Bussy. This is Phil Bussy. I am the co-host for the Media
3: Institute for Social Changes nonprofit hour. We are so happy today to be recording this live at the Waypost on North Williams. Uh, yeah, we can have applause. We have an audience here, which is. That is not an audience that you could fit into the studio where we normally record. I am very pleased to be starting off with Adara uh, Friley, who was a student in the recent Radio U. Can Adara? Can you? What? What is Radio U?
4: It was a course that offered skills that I was interested in. I had studied journalism in school, and this was a real hands-on class, a six-week class, that you got to make a finished product. And I was, was really intrigued, and I was interested to learn more about radio in Portland and who's really involved with that, And um, it was nice to be able to highlight a nonprofit that is very young and doesn't get a lot of attention yet, and um, and I'm glad that X-ray and Radio U gave that platform to introduce
3: and we're, them. We're going to take a listen to the piece that you produced through this class mm-hmm. uh, in a moment, uh, and I, it's it's and we'll give you a chance to set that up. I want to talk to you a little bit about why radio. Why? 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 What has drawn you to radio? Are you an Ira Glass groupie? Um, what What is it that has hooked you into radio, and, and particularly as a format, maybe for journalism?
4: I think I always had a natural natural attraction towards radio because of my love for music. So I would sit in front of the radio and just dial through the stations and just see whatever piqued my interest. And then when I went to college, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to study. And there was a student radio station there, which I knew I wanted to be a part of. And it kind of led me to go into journalism. And I think the reason why I like radio is because so much can be expressed in just your voice. And that was why I had so much fun doing this project through Radio U because I didn't really know what I was getting myself into with the person I was talking to and with the nonprofit itself and everything. And I think that I was able to express a lot just through tone. And I think a lot of that is lost when you're watching television because there's so many other distractions, but with radio, you're really listening.
3: And that's a great setup for uh, the radio piece that you did. Radio you is it, it lasts several weeks, and you have radio experts and mm-hmm. producers come in, and they, they coach you and work with you. And then you choose a nonprofit to profile. Who did you choose?
4: I chose a nonprofit called Autism Anchoring Dogs. And when I was searching for nonprofits, I didn't really know where to start. I'm fairly new to Portland. I just moved here over the summer, so I didn't really know what has been featured too much, or I didn't really know where to start, so I just Googled Portland Nonprofits and just to see what came up, and I narrowed it down to a list of of about three or four, and every time I would discuss this with my friends or anybody else, the same nonprofit kept coming up to the top of the list where people kept saying, yeah, that one sounds very intriguing, so that's i ended end up going with it.
3: Excellent. Well, I, I, let's take a listen to it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want you to give any, no spoilers. Yeah. Um, we'll edit out those pauses that I just <laughs> did there. All
5: aspects of this business, in my mind, need to be clear, transparent, and give back to the community in some fashion. Because this company is the purpose for the rest of my life as I see it.
4: Meet Kirsten Becker, founder and executive director of Portland's Autism Anchoring Dogs an organization that provides giant breed anchoring service dogs to families with children who elope or run away unexpectedly. One in 68 children born in the United States land in the autism spectrum, making it the country's fastest growing developmental disability. A 2012 survey in pediatrics showed almost 50 percent of these children attempted to elope at least once after age four. This action is usually prompted when a child experiences overstimulation from their surroundings creating sensory overload.
5: I have a letter from a 12-year-old that says, my heart beats very fast and I stop thinking and there's a bright light that flashes in my brain and I start running and my heart's pounding and then I stop a mile or so away and I look around and I don't know where I am and my heart's still beating very fast. And th- th- that would be frightening. That would be almost like a blackout. You don't know, you don't know what you're doing. It's just, you're gone. Until these children can learn self-regulation if they ever can, we have anchoring dogs to keep them safe.
4: Last Halloween, Becker's budding business celebrated its first year as a nonprofit. She has spent nearly five years perfecting her specifications for anchoring dogs, and with over $80,000 worth of pooches on the premises, she keeps her southwest Portland property on strict lockdown. Instead, we arranged a rendezvous at the nearby Southwest Community Center. Autism anchoring dogs trains breeds with non-reactive personalities, sweetness of temperament, and an affinity for children, typically Leonbergers, Newfoundland's, and St. Bernard's.
5: Autistic children have a propensity, a real affiliation for um, animals, especially dogs. They react very well to them. There's a lot of sensory input with the dogs, and the dogs are honest. The dogs look at them in the face. They love them. It's unconditional. Um, it's tactile, it's warm, it's calming. These dogs are usually like, hey, I'm up for fun, what about you? And the child is like, yeah, yeah, it could be fun, this could be fun, this mm-hmm. could be great.
4: Last summer, Becker received an email from a mother in Durango, Colorado. Moments after a heart-pounding incident in a grocery store parking lot where her dog Porter, put her sizable stature, and anchoring training to the test.
5: The child saw how busy the grocery store was, told her mother that she was not going in there with all those people, turned around and ran, and a car was speeding by at the time, and Porter turned, braced, sat, and stopped her from going more than five feet away. That made everything that I'm doing absolutely worthwhile because Mm -hmm. there's a child I knew I saved a life in that moment at that time. Nothing else matters to me than that.
4: Each anchoring dog costs about $14,000, and the minimum 120 hours of training costs an additional $22,000. Becker covers these expenses and pays herself only half a salary to absorb the financial burden typically endured by the family in need. For Becker, when it comes to saving lives with colossal canines, it's personal. The tragic elopement of her son Samuel ignited her dedication to this life-saving cause.
5: He ran into the wilderness um, up a, a difficult slope, he ran, and he hid, and then he kept running. Although he was searched for for over a week, we hardly found anything, and we've searched for him for nine years, and we have not recovered anything, no remains. So we're still looking to bring Sam
6: home.
4: Until then, Becker, trainer Stephen Mech, And the other dedicated individuals at Autism Anchoring Dogs trudge on, giving fearless companions to children and providing parental peace of mind. As we said our goodbyes, Becker emphasized the necessity for these heroic hounds.
5: I would have paid anything to keep my son. And I want to support these families because if we can just get them through the eloping stage and we can. You know, hopefully that will diminish over time. The quality of life for these families tremendously increases. And yeah, nothing's perfect. But this is a solution that I don't think anyone else has come up with. And it's life-saving. It's It's
3: life-saving. That... Yeah, we can have an applause for that. (laughs) This is Phil Busty, I'm the co-host for the Nonprofit Hour, and we are recording live at uh, Waypost on North Williams. That was a a radio piece produced by Adara Friley, who attended uh, Radio U. And more information, if if people do want to sign up, if they have budding interest in becoming radio producers and producing uh, radio journalism like that, uh, mediamakingchange.org. What what I like about uh, the nonprofit hour is it does uncover some of these smaller nonprofits that are doing just incredibly humane and wonderful work. Um, what I also like about the nonprofit is that we get a chance to talk to uh, very large and well-known nonprofits like New Avenues for Youth, which is um, it, it's it's almost twenty years old and it's, it's an institution uh, in the city and has done some amazing work. I am joined. Uh, at the waypost here with Jessica Elkin, who is the director of development.
7: Hi, thank you for having me here.
3: Absolutely, and and let's let's we're we're going to talk uh, in in a little bit uh, about some of the specific programs that New Avenues for Youth does. Uh, in in particular, some of the business programs, of uh, Ben and Jerry's, and, and now a soup cart on the Portland State University, as well as one of the uh, one of the one of the students and one of the the workers managers of that of that program. Let's take a step back though and get a little bit wider view of this. New Avenues for Youth, um, who does that serve?
7: So first of all, thank you to X-Ray FM for inviting us to be here. Uh, We still consider ourselves pretty small and mighty, Uh, not a huge nonprofit, but um, one that obviously has a big mission here in Portland. So New Avenues serves homeless, at-risk, and foster youth in three main areas. Basic relief and safety services, career and education services, and self sufficiency. So, all of our programs are really around those three buckets. And we have everything from a drop in day services center where we see most of our homeless youth, youth that are living on the streets, first accessing services. We have our career and education program that serve youth that are both homeless, youth at risk of homelessness and foster youth and then we have self self sufficiency services and there's a range of programming. So New Avenues is really dedicated to the intervention and prevention of homelessness and that's how we approach it.
3: And 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 let's just define that word youth because that's a very specific term. So what 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 age group is New Avenues for youth actually serving?
7: 14 to 24.
3: Okay. And, and rolling back the clock a little bit here, uh, it's been almost 20 years. How did New Avenues for you start? Was What was the recognition of a need to serve?
7: So our founding story is really unique. Um, we were founded by community and business leaders who felt that there was a better way to work with homeless youth in the community and that they wanted to explore what other places were doing. So through their private resources, traveled around the United States, landed in San Francisco at Larkin Street Youth Programs, and that really became the blueprint for New Avenues, which is engagement on the front end with self-sufficiency programs on the back end. And And that combination is really important. It's more than just providing basic relief and safety. You need to give youth education, opportunity, job skills, real-world work experience, and then all of those other supports from mental health, drug and alcohol, to housing, to really have the tools to exit street life. So that's really what those original founding members and volunteers believed in, and that's what we're still doing today.
3: And, and since 1997 to, to today, about how many uh, youth have you worked with?
7: Roughly 20,000 youth.
3: 20,000.
7: That is what? correct. It's a big number.
3: That's a huge number. I mean, that's.
7: Yeah, actually, this past year we served over 1,300 youth, and that was a record for the organization. And that number was higher because we have been really focusing on prevention programming, both through working with foster youth as well as working with LGBT youth through our Smirk program. So we had a record year last year, but what we're most proud of is it's that combination of working with youth who are homeless and working with those youth that are not yet on the streets but are on the cusp of becoming homeless because of their circumstances.
3: And that's, I mean, that's a remarkable number, 20,000. I mean, that's that's the size of this city of Medford. Uh, and, and, and giving, Uh, those individuals, like you're saying, not just a meal or a shower, but ultimately self-sufficiency.
7: Yes, and and that's what it's about. I mean, I think that 20,000 is a big number, but each one of those um, people has um, goals. They have a desire to make their lives better. And that's what's great about our programs is it is completely voluntary. Youth do not have to come to New Avenues. They're doing this because they see that they, um, they need help, they need a safe, supportive environment. And fortunately, New Avenues is there to meet them where they're at and provide them with opportunities. A youth a long time ago told me New Avenues is great because if you want to be a dolphin trainer, they'll help you become a dolphin trainer. And I don't know if we've ever actually had someone who wanted to be a dolphin trainer, but I like what that message says, that it's a really youth-driven organization and we meet youth where they're at, so whatever youth wants to become, we will try and help them the best we can.
3: This is Phil Bossi. I'm the co-host for the Nonprofit Hour. I'm talking with Jessica Elkin, who's the Director of Development for New Avenues for Youth. Uh, Jessica, you have a much better idea than than I do, but the numbers that I I recall hearing is about, it's about 2,000 youth on the streets of Portland uh, that are considered homeless uh, on any given night.
7: So, I mean, that number changes. Um, you know, I've heard, we've heard different things from 400 to 2,000. I think what's important to know is that at any given point, there is a range. Um, we see, like I said, around 1,300 youth a year, and that's both youth coming in off the streets and youth who are on the cusp of homelessness, and um, it's hard, though, because There are many people, there's many different definitions of homelessness. So there are many youth in this community who are doubling up, who are precariously housed. And by many definitions, they are considered homeless. So when you're talking about true you know, street and trench, sleeping in temporary shelters, sleeping in doorways, sleeping under bridges, I think the number is lower, but it doesn't mean that there are not youth in the shadows who really need help. And that's part of what we do through our um, job training program and other programs that are really working with those youth on the cusp.
3: Talk to me a little bit about some of the, what are some of the misconceptions about homeless youth that New Avenues for Youth has to deal with, um, either uh, coaching uh, individuals that come in to say, you know, you don't need to live that stereotype, or on, the, on maybe the other end of the spectrum of, of dealing with donors and saying, no, that's, that's not really what's going on or where your money's going.
7: I mean, I think it's important to realize that every young person we work with is different and you can't categorize all people the same. You can't categorize all um, homeless people in the same way. And I think one of the things we really work on is challenging those misconceptions. As I mentioned, youth come to new avenues because they're looking for support, they're looking for opportunity, and they're looking to exit street life. So they don't have to be there. And I think that's the first thing. Is this is a place where youth have chosen, and because of that, mm-hmm. they're you know on their their path, hopefully, to self sufficiency. But the you know I don't like talking about the negative stereotypes. I think we all have ideas in our head of you know when we see homeless people on the street, we all have. Um, a narrative, and I think what's important to recognize that the youth we work with are homeless, oftentimes because of circumstances that they have very little control over. They've fled abuse, neglect, poverty, um, lots of mental health, PTSD, and many of the youth haven't had the support of adults in their lives to teach them Um, all of the things that maybe a young person who had a healthier upbringing would have. So for us, one of the ways that we really challenge those misconceptions is bringing people in to serve meals. And something you hear constantly by people who serve meals at New Avenues is, oh my gosh, the youth are so wonderful. They say thank you. They're polite. And we kind of look and say, yes, they are, because they're there because they want to be there and they want food and they do have gratitude. And I think, again, it's just going back to why are what are the root causes of homelessness and realizing that not everyone has control over those formative years. Oftentimes our youth are really fleeing very um, unhealthy and unsafe situations.
3: And, and so New Avenues for Youth has three really incredible programs. Well, they're sort of all under the same umbrella, uh, and, and that's running some local businesses. Uh, there's a Ben & Jerry's that's on the Portland State campus, uh, and then there is a, an, an ink shop, and, then, and the newest one is a soup cart joining the uh, food cart revolution of Portland.
7: Absolutely. So about 10 years ago, we opened our first Ben and Jerry's partner shop and we have two now, one on Yam Hill right across from Pioneer Square and the one you mentioned on the campus of Portland State University. We also have a screen printing business in the Pearl District that screen prints apparel and other items. And on January 7th, we launched our third social enterprise called New Avenues Through Soup. And you're right, it is a really cute cart right in the middle of the urban plaza selling soup to students and anyone else who walks by. And what's great is um, we have youth that are really managing the cart and helping us launch this new social enterprise.
3: And we're gonna take a quick musical break and when we come back, uh, John, who is one of those youth who is helping run and launch that that program and soup cart is gonna join us. Wonderful. Do- and what's what song did you bring with you for us to play today?
7: I think we suggested a couple one uh, songs, but I think it's you two, beautiful day. Right.
3: I'm gonna have you maybe slide.
2: The heart is a bloom. Up through the stony ground There's no room No space to rent In this town You're out of luck And the reason that you had to care The traffic is stuck And you're not moving anywhere You thought you found a friend To take you out of this place Someone you can lend a hand in return for grace So beautiful
3: Phil Bussey, it's the Nonprofit Hour. I am joined. Uh, we are talking with New Avenues for Youth. Uh, we've been talking to Jessica Elkin, who's the director of development, and now are joined uh, by John, who is one of uh, the youth who is working with uh, New Avenues for Youth uh, programs, uh, a soup kitchen. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So now, uh, describe what the soup the, the soup cart looks like.
8: Soup cart in way of what it looks like. Um, Well, it's like a regular cart, but it's um, instead of there being like, like in most carts that I've seen, they've had like a little inside, but it's actually open. And so we're just standing behind it. Um, It's got like, you know, like a burner. It's got a little place you can set the bread on and the register. And uh, we've got like the double boilers out there as well. Um, We also have a canopy which okay. keeps off the rain, and so it's... And
3: now, w- almost one month in, how's, how's business? Pretty
8: good. Um, it's starting out kind of slow, because it is new, so I figure as time goes by, there'll be a lot more people coming through, so...
3: Is there a uh, most popular soup?
8: Our most popular soup... Ooh, we have a lot of popular soup, but we had a split pea with bacon that was really popular.
3: Sounds like a good January rainy day soup. Oh yeah. And, and now, um, you came to this through New Avenues for Youth. What, uh, what, what, back, what drew you to wanting to have a job like this?
8: Um, well, I was actually struggling looking for other jobs and I had like no idea what I was doing. And so, New Avenues actually offered a job training program in which I took a four week class, I think it was. Um, and they did a lot of job training on like what to do in interviews and how to fill out applications and doing stuff with the resume. Um, they had me start off actually with Ben & Jerry's last February and so it was last December I finished up with that and they actually hired me onto the soup cart.
3: So you, you've been working with uh, New Avenues for Youth and their, their business program for about a year now? A little over, yeah. Okay. And and um, if you could go back in time, say a year ago, and give yourself some advice about either being a good employee or some of the managerial skills you've picked up, is there any advice you'd give yourself?
8: Well, I would definitely tell myself that my resume needs to look pretty good. Um, I think actually one of the main things is mainly how interviews work, because before I was like an interview was this weird concept that I I have never experienced, and so. If I were to tell myself about interviews, like job interviews, I would just say actually it's a lot easier than what I would have seemed it would be.
3: That's good. I mean, I think demystifying the, the job hunting and job uh, landing process is perhaps one of the most important things to go through. And, and um, talk to me about some of the, how many people are working at the, the food cart or the soup cart at, at any given time?
8: Um, it's actually just me and actually one other person as well. And so it's just two of us plus the manager who shares management with Ben and Jerry's and the soup cart. He helps out a lot as well with getting materials and stuff that we need. And then I also have a coworker who also, he mainly scoops, this, uh, not scoop, but he mainly serves up the soup and then I just ring people up. But just two of us out there.
3: Yeah, it's, it's 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 interesting. You went from a very probably a very popular in the summertime uh, place to very popular in the wintertime place. What what as far as I mean, I think first jobs and this is essentially one of your first jobs uh, is is also about figuring out some life skills and along those lines. Are there are there any bits of wisdom that you either can that you've been giving to yourself that you've been taking away from these jobs?
8: Um mostly what I've actually taken away from these jobs was just the skills and like interacting with customers as well it's actually helped a lot with my social skills and how to you know talking with strangers that I don't even know it's got me more comfortable around that Um, also it's actually kind of demystified a lot of my doubts of like how do I run a register and now I know what that's like and then there's also like Money counting skills. So there's like a lot of skills that I actually took away from this.
3: And and um, nice to have an income. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> where where does this take you next? I mean, I I, I, I would imagine this is a step towards something. Do you have you thought about uh, where this goes next?
8: Um, not really yet. Um, I'm just started about a month ago, but um, I think I don't know how long I'll actually be working there. But I'm actually working on, you know, getting. Uh, getting an apartment for myself. And so saving up money is definitely a thing that I'm working on here. Um, also getting maybe another job somewhere, wherever they're hiring, um, which actually is good because this place has actually taught me a lot about how to do that, and so.
3: I, and, and, and I don't know a better way of saying this, but you sound like a real success story. Does, when you look at your own life now, does it feel like you are a success story?
8: I feel like in a way, based from like where I came from before, it's like a whole new me from like say three or four years ago when I was just like, I had no idea what I was doing or where I was going to end up. And so I feel like from that time to now, it's just, I guess you could say that, yeah.
3: (laughs) John, congratulations, and um, I look forward to coming down and visiting the soup cart on on Portland State's campus. Uh, Thank you to New Avenues for Youth for for coming by and and for all the great work that you do, and and, uh, thanks for all the great soup and ice cream that you guys are putting out there.
8: Yeah, definitely.
3: Uh, This is Phil It's the Nonprofit Hour. So I that this is the Nonprofit Hour. I am joined uh, for a very special performance uh, at the Waypost and for a live recording of the Nonprofit Hour uh, with the Intergenerational Outreach Choir. Uh, This, Because this is radio, it is hard to see exactly how uh, crowded it is. There's about two dozen people that are crammed into a very small space, but obviously you just heard how robust uh, the sound of this this group is. We are going to have a couple more songs from the group, um, but between songs, we are going to talk. I'm going to talk with Crystal Atkins, who's the director, and Amy Vanacore, who is piano player. And is there a title as well?
9: Accompanist.
3: Accompanist.
9: <laughs>
3: <laughs> let's 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 start with intergenerational outreach choir. Can we break? down your organization by talking about each one of those words. Um, again, it's radio, so people are not seeing that we have uh, everyone from uh, uh, from small children uh, all the way up into different ages. Uh, so intergenerational.
10: <laughs> so, yeah, intergenerational is all ages. So we have, in some of our other choirs, we actually have babies, and then our oldest member was Oh, at Providence. She was a hundred years old. That's so we, incredible. Yeah. So intergenerational, all ages. Outreach is service. So we go out into the community and we serve community through music.
3: And and choir explains itself. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's let, let's go back to that first uh, word intergenerational. Why? Why 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 not just a youth choir? Why not just uh, an elder choir? Why not just a middle-aged choir?
10: Yeah. Well, uh, my background is music therapy and also a music teacher. And I noticed in um, both of those uh, jobs doing the service that there was a huge disconnect between the the young and the old. So I remember um, I was at a public school and I brought the children's choir over to the assisted living home. And the kids were frightened by the elders. And then the elders saw that the kids were frightened and didn't want to reach out to them, even though they were yearning to reach out to them. And so um, I did an intergenerational music project with them that was about three months long, um, having discussions about music and doing more singing together. And our last meeting, I couldn't get them to stop talking. So um, there I, basically I saw a disconnect, a huge gap, and I knew that music would bring us together. So that's why intergenerational.
3: And explain that a little bit more, um, Crystal, if you don't mind, why, why do you feel like music can bring people together?
10: I feel like music allows us to be emotional, talk about or express feelings of things that are hard to express. And music is, um, it brings a quality. You can sing with anyone. You can sing with, um, Republicans can sing with Democrats. I mean I would
3: and, love to see a, a Donald Trump <laughs> Hillary Clinton duet I,
10: Exactly, so I, I, I?
3: I got you babe
10: yes <laughs> I, w- I would love that I would love that but yeah music it, it's 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 magical it's like each of us has this voice that's like a key and we all belong to each other and you can see that in all of our intergenerational choirs
3: and and uh Amy Vanacor, you are the accompanist yes. how did you get involved with this organization
9: well, I've been working with Crystal for about eleven years uh, long uh, since uh, right after I moved to Portland, um, and um, she invited me to get involved, and I said yes.
3: <laughs> and, and and I guess let's maybe let's open that question up a little bit more. How do people find out about you? And and and, and if you also want to talk about the Sing It Forward Challenge that you have.
4: Oh yeah,
10: well people here mostly people join us because it's word of mouth. They they hear about us and they they hear about the service that we do and they they join us. Um, The Sing It Forward was a project to do during the winter time, during the holidays, because everyone's so focused on consumerism. So I thought it would be fun to have an activity where you're giving of yourself. And I've always had this dream to have the whole world singing. So I thought (laughs) that this might be the way to do it. But basically what you do is you find someone you know or a stranger and you sing to them a song and then you pass on this song card, and then that's saying, You've been challenged. It's your turn to go find someone to sing to. So we were just passing along these songs. The farthest we got um, was Nevada. But I'm hoping that.
3: And is and, there one song that gets passed along, <laughs> or is it a song of choice?
10: Well, that, that's what was fun, too. We got, I wanted to say, first, I started it with holiday songs from any tradition, any tradition. And, but then I got um, someone saying, "Well, I really like boys to men. Can I sing? Can I sing that?" I'm like, sure. So basically I, you know, we're passing as long as the songs and the joy are being passed, it works. But that's that was the sing it forward challenge.
9: I tried it in an office setting. It was strange, <laughs> but successful.
3: Uh, explain those two words strange. <laughs> And successful. How how did people Well I
9: I just walked over to someone that I, I work with in another context and I walked over to her desk and I started singing We Wish You a Merry Christmas and she was looking at me like, Why are you singing this to me? And then I passed her the card and she said, Oh, oh I get I get to sing it forward. And I said, Yeah.
3: So you, you broke down cubicle walls. Yes.
9: I, literally.
3: Um Chris, I'm gonna have one more question before we go to another song here. I just I would I would love to hear how did you first start singing?
10: Oh me, uh, oh yeah, I'm Crystal. Um, I started. Well, my mom said I sang, you know, since the beginning. But um, when I was in third grade, um, I was one of those troublemaker kids, you know, really squirrely, always getting in trouble.
9: You still are a troublemaker, Crystal. Yeah, that's true.
10: That's true. And um, I got my music teacher in third grade said, Crystal, I want to talk to you after class, and I was like, oh, I'm busted again for talking or something. But she actually said, you can sing. I, you can sing, and I'd like you to audition for my choir. And that changed my life, because I went from being someone who was getting in trouble all the time to someone who has a voice. So she kind of gave, gave me, that's when I realized I have a voice. And then feeling that joy of having a voice, I knew that I needed to pass that on. So ever since then, I've been doing
2: that. Mm.
3: This is the Nonprofit Hour, and we are joined by the Intergenerational Outreach Choir. Um, do you want to set up the next song for us, or tell us, uh, give us a quick introduction to it?
10: Yeah, this next song is in a reggae style, <laughs> and it's titled One Day.
3: This is Phil Bussey, it's the Nonprofit Hour, and I am joined at the Waypost for our, our monthly live recording uh, with the Intergenerational Outreach Choir, the very enthused and energetic choir. Woo-hoo! Mm-hmm.
6: Woo-hoo!
3: And I'm talking with uh, Crystal Atkins, who's the director, and Amy Vanacore, who is the piano player accompanist. Um, Let's talk because this is the nonprofit hour. Why why are you a non profit? Why not just be a club? What what uh-huh. what benefits does that give you and what difficulties does that bring?
10: Well, because we serve community. You need community to serve community is what I believe. And change comes from within. And I chose the nonprofit model because it's the only business model that takes a community for it to work. So everyone needs to do their part. So that's why I chose nonprofit, because we have a board that is investing time, and we need donors. And then we also, all the women here do so much work. They go into Dignity Village, they go into the prison, they go into assisted living homes and do the work. So it's the model where everyone has to do their part to make change. She,
9: she didn't decide to become nonprofit because she loves writing grant proposals. No.
10: <laughs> and that's the one thing is, Amy's not only our piano company, she does operations, so she... Rights for our grants. So that's why she's sitting next to me because she knows all the details about that. <laughs> yeah. Which, Which is a, a it's, huge part. I wrote,
9: I wrote the first um, grant proposal for IOC a few months ago, and we just got $1,900 from the Cultural Coalition of Washington County. Congratulations.
3: Yeah. That, that is a different type, that's an organizational accompanist. <laughs> that's <Yeah>. right.
6: <laughs> And, and, and I like
3: that. <laughs> so did you have uh, either of you have much background in nonprofits before? Mm-hmm. You're both nodding your yes. heads.
6: Yes.
9: I've been in nonprofit in and out of nonprofit, but mostly in for the last 20 years.
10: <laughs> and I've been working for nonprofit since I was 18 years old.
3: Wonderful. And and um I want to talk about one of the programs that you just you you, you mentioned real fast, but first I want to ask who selects the songs? How what what there's a large group of people and and they're coming from uh, different age and backgrounds. Uh, how are you deciding on what songs are everybody's going to like?
10: Yeah, I, um, the conductors choose the songs, but we really listen to our singers and what they're interested in singing. But um, I choose music, first of all, when I'm first trying to connect with a choir, I choose music that members have listened to in their childhood because that's what we use in music therapy. So when I'm working with um, people who have Alzheimer's or Parkinson's or wise elders, we always start with what did they listen to as a child, because that's when the seed was planted for music. So I start there. And um, but what's cool about intergenerationals, we have to sing music from everyone's childhood. So all about that bass is from um, our kids now childhood, but then we sing amazing grace and you are my sunshine. And um, you know, Pete Seeger, we have every age, so we have to, we sing it all. To connect with each other, and I think we have an understanding of each other through our through our music. My favorite quote was from a 90-year-old singer named Katie, who passed away, but she said, "I never thought I'd be rapping at the age of 90."
6: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: It's a it's a very cool organization that 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 you all have created. Um, I I was really I was um, interested in one program in particular too, and and so you have been going to Coffee Creek. Uh, and can you talk a little bit about how that started and where it has gone? Yeah. And and again, and for what is Coffee Creek?
10: Okay, Coffee Creek is a prison, but it's called Coffee Creek Correctional Facility. And um, I'm really passionate about doing service because we all know that almost half of our population of America is in prison, um, and that's also related to the poverty. And um, I know that community can help. The women transition out through music, but how it happened was um, this choir went inside to the medium security side of the prison, and we did a concert. And then after the concert, a woman came up to me and said, "Once I became in prison, my daughter she stopped singing, and she loved singing. She just stopped. She was. Do you think that if I started singing, that she would sing again?" So in that moment, I knew that I had to do my best to bring music to Coffee Creek. So five years later from that moment, <laughs> we have a choir um, in the minimum side. And again, our goal is to build the first transitional music program in the United States and to bring the women together with their children. Because if you connect um, the women and their children, uh, recidivism rates lower. recidivism rates. But um, we're...
3: And so just, I, I just want to uh, drill into that word a little bit more, transitional choir, meaning...
10: Oh, here's uh... how it works. So <laughs> we have we have multiple choirs everywhere. So then what, what we do is, in each county, there will be a transitional choir. So women who are on parole and the women from our already established choirs would meet together in a transitional choir. Um, that way we have a way to, we can have time to train the women in our community choirs and where Amy and I are on the inside training those women how to be a part of a singing community and then they come together with their children and our children.
3: And, and, and obviously there's some other wisdom that's been transferred there as well. I mean from, from the women who are out to the, back to the women that are in about what to expect and that, that stability. I mean that sounds amazing.
10: Yeah, their biggest fear you know, when you talk to them is not to be accepted once they're out of prison. And who would want to be friends with, with me? And um, you know when you're a part of a healthy community, you can make healthy choices because you feel supported and not isolated. Isolation is a huge thing. So the, the women, I, this is more than just singing. I mean, we, we help each other. Um, we support each other. And that's what the transitional choirs will be about, too.
3: This is the nonprofit hour. I'm Phil Basco. I'm speaking with Crystal, Crystal Atkins, the director of the Intergenerational Outreach Choir, and Amy Vanacore, who is the accompanist. We are going to have another song here, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk with some of the individual members of the group.
6: Yay.
3: So, the so the next song that we're going to hear, uh, Crystal, do you want to again do you want to set it up and just give an introduction and, and explain maybe why this song is uh, something that's important in the repertoire of of the Intergenerational Outreach Choir?
10: Yeah. I like to choose um, a lot of songs where the audiences can sing with us. So this has a really singable melody, but it's also about everyone coming together through music. So it's titled, We Are Gentle Angry People.
0: how are you doing
11: fine thank you how are you good I'm doing really well today I'm Sarah Simpson I'm so happy to be here and I'm so happy and proud to be a member of this choir when I met this choir I was at a very low place I was in I had been in the hospital with a kidney infection to get a little personal And from there, because I live alone, they sent me to a medical rehab facility. And I felt really, really down. Um, I didn't feel that I had a lot of hope. I was ready to give up. And then I heard that there was going to be a choir rehearsing in the dining facility where I was. And I said, I really, I I usually just stayed in my room. And so um, the lady in charge of the activities kept coming back. She said, "You have to come. You have to come. I know you'll enjoy it. It's just rehearsal." I say, "But I'm not dressed. I'm wearing pajamas." She say, "It doesn't matter. You can still come." And so to get her to hush. and stopped knocking on my door, I decided to get up and go. And I sat uh, as farthest as I could, but close enough to hear the songs, because I've sang since I was probably two. I can remember at church them standing me up in a chair so they could see me sing. And they started singing, and I didn't know any of the songs but the music made me feel a little bit inside. It grabbed me on the inside. And then they started singing, the storm is passing over. And the storm that I had gone through, no one could imagine how I felt, even they don't know. But when they started singing that song, I began to feel a burst of life coming back to me, because I had not heard that song for a very long time, and I'm not trying to cry. I'm trying to fight it.
3: I, I, I'm, I'm very surprised by, by your story oh, in some ways God. because it's it's um, anyone, especially uh, the the first song that was sung here that that has heard you sing. You're 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 the opposite of shy. It, <laughs> Yeah, oh, and you have yeah. a very strong voice that, that certainly stood out uh, in the, in the, the first um, the first song.
11: Well, they can tell you I'm very shy. <laughs> 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 anyway, when they, when they sang the song, uh, Crystal was sitting over on the side, and we had another uh, director. And she she heard my big mouth on the other side of the room, <laughs> And she told them to go back over that song, and she wanted me to sing a part. Well, by that time, the storm that I had raging had really begun to burst inside of me. (laughs) And I couldn't hold it, and so I just let it out. (laughs) Because I'm so shy, I just... opened my mouth, and I let everything negative that was there holding me and preventing me from being, feeling joy in my life, I let it go. And so since then, I became a part of this choir, and they don't know how much they mean to me. I really, really, really thank God for this choir um, being in my life.
3: How long have you been singing with the choir now?
11: Only two months, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it hasn't been very long, but it has meant the world to me.
3: Thank you for thank you for being here tonight. <laughs> let's let, let's meet another one of uh, another member of the the choir, Crystal. Jen. Hi, how are you doing?
12: Hi, I'm good.
3: And you are?
12: I'm Jen Bell.
3: Welcome to and thank you for performing today at the Nonprofit Hour.
12: Absolutely. Um, I wanted to speak to the uh, performances that we've done down at Coffee Creek because they really are incredible. Um, The first year that we were there, I believe, there was a mother-daughter that are part of our choir, and they sang this beautiful song about women empowering other women and strength and all of that. And, you know, they have beautiful voices. And so the choir is standing there listening to them and we're focused on them. And then and I'm listening to their song and it's wonderful. And I look up and all of the women sitting out in the audience are just in tears. And then I look at the people around me, and all of my neighbors in the choir are just in tears. And we all just stood there and cried and, like, passed the Kleenex boxes. And the women who were in the prison, the inmates had Kleenex, and a couple of them ran to the back and got boxes and passed them up to us. <laughs> and we just stood there and, and, like, wept for a few moments. And it was that sort of release where we all went and, you know, it's, it's prison. It's a little unnerving, and you're not really sure what that's going to mean and at that moment it was like okay we're just we're just here doing this together and we're going to release this together and this is amazing and so I'm so excited about the way that Crystal has moved this program forward and that we're continuing to do that
3: it it sounds like there's a line item on your uh, organizational budget for Kleenex and tissues (laughs) Um, how how many (laughs) how many times have you gone back to Coffee Creek now
12: um, I believe we've been there three times and then we're going back again uh, next month or in March. Yeah. yeah, so it'll be the fourth time we go.
3: And, and you've started then to obviously build relationships with some of the women there and, and to to uh, know some of the people.
12: I know that uh, that Crystal and Amy have been able to do that um, because it's been like a yearly thing that we've gone. It's not necessarily always the same folks that are there for our performances, but Crystal and Amy as part of their regular uh, choir get to get to do that and... We will in the next steps as the transitional piece comes to play.
3: This it's a very there's a remarkable choir, obviously. I mean, as a, as a whole, but obviously as we're learning as individuals as well. Let's can we meet one more of you and then let's have one song to take us out. And and hi, how are you doing?
13: I'm good, thank you.
3: Good. So You're... my
13: name is Denise Gallardo, and I joined this choir because one of the other directors is um, was our music teacher at my school. And some of these uh, kids also go to this school, and she was our music teacher. She was very, very, very loved, and she um, quit her job, and but she was still she's still uh, directing the choir here along with Crystal, and I decided that I still wanted to see her, and we all missed her. So a few of the students from our school came here to not just see her but also like join the choir sing along with her because we miss that feeling when we sing with her
3: and and let me ask you about some of the performances that you do are you nervous singing ever
13: um no not really because you got to sing with the people you love and know
3: What are What are some of your favorite performances that you've been able to do as part of this choir?
13: Um, we went to the grotto and it was really big and everybody was really loud. And we just had a lot of fun there going back there again and seeing everyone.
3: Wonderful. Well thank you Thank you all, and we're gonna have one more song to wrap the show up.
0: We've now come to the end of this week's Nonprofit Hour show. The show has been produced and edited by myself, Jason Dennington, and is recorded at the production studios of X-Ray FM. You can follow us on our Facebook or via our Twitter handle, at Nonprofit Hour, and find archives of past shows on our SoundCloud page. We'd like to thank our guests on the show this week, Joshua Davis with OnStage for Kids, Jessica Elkin and John of New Avenues for Youth, Crystal Aikens and Amy Bannicord, and especially the entire intergenerational outreach choir who came down to the Waypost to sing for us. The choir performed so much joyous music for us, but regrettably, an hour show is simply not enough to fit it all in. So if you head to our SoundCloud page, we will have posted an archive recording of the full and complete show with unedited interviews and all of the music from the show. I encourage you to check that out because there was about 20 minutes of the live show that we just couldn't fit in our broadcast episode today. We'd also like to thank the Media Institute for Social Change, our regular hosts, Phil Bussey and Julie Falk, KXRY Radio X-Ray FM, and most of all to you, our regular listeners. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you have a great week and join us again next week at noon on Monday for the Nonprofit Hour show.